Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hello, Jim. I missed the button. Hello, David, and I did not miss my button. Okay, good. At least one of us didn't. Is my Notice still... I'm wearing a sweater tonight. It's like as soon as I hit the record button, all of the acid vision stopped too because like I was having problems with my camera and that's all <laughs> perfect. So you don't have to feel like you're on drugs to watch the show tonight. Um, we okay, were just so talking about... We... I, we were just talking about before the show. Yeah. PRS McCarty, right? So yep. take it away. Yeah, so... I was I was just saying um, some of the I don't want to say insanity, but some of the expectations in the used market right now. Um, so I was showing David uh, an example, um, and there's a um, on Facebook Marketplace locally. We've got a person that's got a PRS um, PRS S two McCarty five ninety four whale blue. Um, it's got a noticeable scratch in it. Um, he he put it in, he put in a picture. He points it out. He goes, "There's a scratch," you know. It's not like he's trying to hide it. Um, comes with a bag uh, because the McCarty's come in a bag. Um, matter of fact, I think even the um, – correct me if I'm wrong, but don't the um, uh, the $2,200 uh, uh, – what's that? The the guy that – John Mayer. Oh, yeah, that Silver Sky. No, Silver Sky comes yeah. in a case uh, unless, they've oh, changed that, unless they've changed that. The CE okay, comes in a bag, I- though. Yeah, but I for some reason I thought that the the first run of X number of S two or I mean uh, uh, mares came in a case, but now they come in a bag. I could be they might they might now me. they might now, but I do yeah. know that there were different cases, and that one case was maybe intended that's for what Euro- it was, and that one case was intended for European distribution, um, and they actually only ordered those so that so a bunch of US yeah. ones came out with that. That's what I remember I hearing. I don't know if that's actually true yeah. or not, but. Like the first fifty of them came with a really nice. Yeah, case. fifty or hundred. It was the the Paisley yeah. PRS case, the one that they give away for the really fancy. The real, stuff. yeah, the real, real nice one. Um. Anyway, so this person's got a five ninety four. It's an S two, so it's not a great guitar. I mean, it's not a bad guitar. It's a good guitar. Um, but it's an S two. Well, it's fifteen hundred. You can walk right over to our local guitar center and get it for seventeen hundred. Yeah, brand new with no scratches. In general, and if you don't like the one that's hanging, yeah, go ahead. In general, the prices on these are all over the place. Um, yep. I we were just googling around, and Guitar Center's got some used ones for about fifteen hundred bucks. They've got some that go all the way down to twelve hundred dollars. Uh, but it's really funny yep. because, and I actually this is my jumping off point. This is why I started the show right here. It's like yep. there are some that are going here for like four thousand or thirty two hundred. Um, that are obviously like 10 top style guitars. And then there are some that they say are 10 tops, which yep. I, I honestly, I hope that Paul Reed Smith, like the company actually has a list of actual 10 top serial numbers because I have seen so many people with shitty tops calling them 10 tops. Oh, that it's Lord. like, you don't get to well, determine that they determine that. No. And, and it's actually on the guitar. You can't lie about it. It's so there's on the back of the headstock. If it's a ten top, it's it's indicated that it's a ten top. 
I thought that was just a serial number. I didn't think there was like a stamp that says ten top on it. Nope, it's it's all it's like in handwriting that they then lacquer over so that you can't can't fake it. It's it's um there's a ten in there, um and it's not it's not in okay. the serial yeah, number. Yeah, so like this one. Where, all right, I so I've seen it where the and that, yeah I've seen it where that ten is like yep. close to the serial number instead of up on the, yeah, the hook. Not, I'm looking at right. one right now. And yeah, that's pretty obvious that that's, that's what's going on there. Um, that's right. And people can fake that by trying to write one in. Yeah, they but use the a grease pen. Tell, that's right. You could lacquer over it too. It'd be really hard for you to tell at that point if they yeah. do it right. I, if they knew how to do it and did it right. But there's something PRS does to make it so that you couldn't, Stick it in there, and I can't remember what it is. They write something on the ones that are not ten tops to make sure that you're not going to be able to. Fake I'm sure the serial number also indicates. So if it gets worn off or chipped off or something, you can always yeah. go back and verify. I don't understand the allure of the ten top, other than the aesthetic appeal. Anyway, no, it's aesthetic. It's it's definitely an aesthetic. Well, but for for PRS, like their whole thing is aesthetic, aesthetic, aesthetic. I think those guitars should all be sold yeah. as custom shop. Those tops should end up on custom shop models. And a standard production run should just be a decent top. Um, and yeah. I, well, they don't. They yeah, most some of your shit wood. They use some yeah. shit woods on cores too. Like I've seen some really ugly looking PRS flame and PRS quilt that I'm like, I've seen really these other really poorly mismatched uh, where they book match. Yeah, they are not book matched at all. Well, it makes a... me wonder if they're real or not when I see them. Um, but I have yeah, seen some I... online dealers do it. So, but the reason I brought, yeah, yeah, go ahead. The reason I brought it up was because, um, it's one of those things where I don't know that I would necessarily pay more for a 10 top, but I know that there are other companies where you can get guitars for less money that are, have much better looking tops. Um, and I don't know whether that's just their brand decision. And I, of course you never know, like whether the other companies are just using a veneer over maple. Um, which I saw a guitar tonight where somebody let their trem slap back and it split the veneer and shipped away underneath the bridge, a big chunk. Oh, yeah. They're like, what should I do? Somebody's like, pour coffee on it. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> the other person said, uh, get a real guitar. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, that uh, is terrible. I mean, I get veneers like veneers are for aesthetic appearance. Uh, personally, I think if you're going to do veneer, you might as well just paint the guitar flat color anyway. Yep. Exactly. Now you get to wow, a finish and a veneer. A local gem for 1900 Not bad. Um, so, um, and the real thing, not the, uh, not the inexpensive model. So, um, yeah, I've been, I, I've been watching Facebook marketplace because I'm waiting for the use prices to finally come into a sane number. Um, Keep dreaming. It's going to be a while. And yeah, it'll be a little while. And that's all right. I'm just looking for a base. I want to buy a base. But um, yeah. And actually, I was looking at this one and I was like, ooh, a 594 McCarty for 1500 Oh, yeah. And then I looked, I said, oh, S2. And it's got a black bag, you know, the, the standard bag. Um, and I was like, yeah, never mind. Um, and it's got. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't turn my nose up in an S2, but I definitely. That- <clears throat> that's another thing that that is relatively um uh interesting about PRS. So their their tops, I didn't know this until I was watching uh an episode of um what's that guy Phil McKnight, uh, Know Your Gear. Um 
And he was talking about uh, the tops, the finish with uh, one of his um, listeners. And uh, I guess PRS's um, uh, finish for years and years and years, up to very recently, like within the last year or so, um, they have a tendency to just break, like crack. And um, so he says he's seen he'd seen plenty of them. Now you got to remember he lives out west where it's really dry and yeah and it, and climate than we do. But um, I'm just saying that that uh, if this were I'd a real if this were a real issue, this would be a much more publicized thing. Well, there's a lot of that, freaking PRS owners out there. Yeah, the fact is that the ones that that have been brought up to PRS, they've been really good about. Yeah, we got this, and they get they get somebody to. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know that I buy into that narrative. But well, then, well, I I didn't either. And then I saw Casino Guitars just the other day, and they were talking about the same thing. And it's only recently, I guess, that they went to a nitro, like a real nitro. Yeah, that was after that was were. after about two years. Um, yeah. They were using a finish hardener um, yeah. product that was like proprietary to them, and um, they were looking for something that was a little bit more elastic, is what I've heard. And that and that yeah. might indicate they had some finish issues, but I wouldn't say that that means like I wouldn't want to alarm our listeners. Buying a PRS does not necessarily mean it's going to crack. Oh no, 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 not any more than any no. other guitar for that matter. I mean, everybody's using finish hardener. That's I, if you right. buy a urethane finished guitar, it's got hardener in it. Yeah, hell, um, even it, even nitro now they use a hardener. Well, I'm sure that they do. Uh, apparently, Gibson is the only one that because this the guy from Casino was, used to work for Gibson and the and thing anyway. In the um, uh, not in the finishing area, he did um, final setups, but he worked right next to the his, right, right. His and he said that they are the only ones where really you get that. That's where you get. Um, uh, no matter what you get, if it's a USA Gibson, you've got a nitro finish. Um, yeah, they're nitro, a, but they use a fin- they use a hardener. <laughs> I'm sure of it. they all do. I, I mean, I I think the only ones that probably don't use a hardener when it comes to that is any of the custom shops or the guys that the, the in house guys like that that yeah. do that do their spray their own nitro, which there aren't many of them. Um, most no. of your if if the company you're buying the guitar is finishing it and they're like a small shop chances are it's not nitro unless they've shipped it out and had somebody else nitro it so yeah even even gibson where they do the nitro there's only a couple of people that work in that nitro yeah um it's a so. it's a skill process and there's a lot yeah. of environmental concerns involved with it that keep it a lot of negative limited yeah. and it's not necessarily limited to the people that do it but they, they particular skill set right i mean right right because it's it's very thin layer they do very many thin layers mm-hmm. so that it that's the whole idea of the, you know, the checking and the old stuff and stuff like that. But anyway, I thought, I, I just thought it was interesting to see that the used prices, at least in my area, are still, oh my gosh, pedals. I've seen people listing pedals for as much or more than a new one. And I'm like, I mean, I know you can list stuff for any price you want, but good Lord, when somebody can drive right down the street to Alpha Music, to Guitar Center, to, um, we have, uh, uh, a place called um, Rusty's or Russell's in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, we've got uh, over in Newport News. We've got one. I mean, there's several mom and pops even that are that are carrying these pedals that these guys are um, and these gals are putting online. And I'm like, gosh, how how do you think you're going to get these prices when there is you new product? At least do some research and go. Oh, you know what? I 
probably want to bring my price down to at least a little bit beyond below that. I don't know. What do you what do you think of that? I mean, um, when you're when you're putting it up on Facebook Marketplace, you have no reverb in the way. You have no uh, eBay in the way. They don't, nobody's taking a cut of your uh, your profits. Um, and there's no tax man. Virginia's not I thought, coming after you. I thought you. Facebook actually does take a percentage of that. You sure? Nope. Positive. I, I just bought a Funko Pop the other night. <laughs> um, and uh, gave a guy 20 bucks straight up. We met in a well-lit parking lot. I gave him 20. He gave me a Funko Pop. Oh, yeah. Cause you, so, all right. So if you don't pay through the marketplace, they don't do any payment processing, which is why they don't. Charge right, you. right. Oh, oh, you can. Yeah, you can pay through the part marketplace. Right. And I've never paid through the marketplace, so I don't know. Um, that would be an interesting if anybody's done that. Of course, I you mean, got I will only do it which... when I meet them. I mean, like you don't pay them before you get the stuff. That's. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I'm you can click the things. Matter of fact, when I went to pick up my dog, the the um, reader said, oh, you can you could pay through uh um, Facebook Marketplace. I said, I don't want Facebook to have access to my money. Are you kidding me? Oh, I mean, I have to. <laughs> I've given people money through Facebook before. It's not a big deal, but it's just yeah. you have to transfer funds over there. It sucks. It's like PayPal. Yeah. You know, it's the same kind of yeah, yeah. garbage. Um, they I know. PayPal account. I'd be Zuckerberg much happier doing knows that. Enough. Yeah, Zuckerberg knows enough about me. He doesn't need to know yeah, what, it's like, how what, much money I have. He's not going to know that. He just knows that you you or authorized him to take that have that much. But anyway. Um, I just, my eyes are closed because I've got bright lights on my face in case the audience is wondering right now. Yeah, I've got, um, this, this light right here. The, all right. So we've been talking about this in the last like three episodes. I think it's worth it to discuss a little bit more, but the price of used goods right now, I, I think, and I could be wrong on this because I don't work at reverb. I don't work at eBay. Uh, I would suspect that right now the market is flooded um, with people trying to ditch used gear. And yeah. some of it may be people trying to ditch a guitar that they've had for a while um, that they just don't need anymore. Some of it may be people yep. who were intending to learn to play, maybe bought in, realized I got a couple hundred bucks sitting over there that could, you know, help pay my rent. Um, and I think that's, that's a sign of the times, right? Um, and I think those are the kinds of people who when they list something are like, it's worth this much without even looking, right? Um, you get a, right. Lot, a lot more of the ignorant seller. And then those are also the kind of people that are going to say, I'm going to list it for top dollar and see what somebody will give me in some cases. Yeah, I think, well, all right. So for example, I sent you a, um, a listing yesterday. There's a person that's um, got a uh, 2015 Fender FSR special edition. We're assuming, folks, that Fender's FSR means Fender uh, standard uh, reissue. Yeah, <clears> I think um, that's what it is. It's a, it's a 60s guitar. Like the one you sent me is the yeah. 60s like reissue style yep. FSR. Um, 60s reissue. Now, um, if you look at the, the pictures he sent or that he posted, um, there's no strings on it. And the bridge doesn't quite look like it is sitting right. I could be wrong. But he did say he replaced the bridge, and it doesn't look like it's quite sitting the way it should. I thought you said um, he replaced the saddles. I'm I'm pulling up the ad on my phone so we can talk about it. Yeah, you can. Yep. Um, and uh, it's got no strings on it, which which is fine. He's also missing a volume, the volume knob. I thought that was odd. He, um, <laughs> yeah, he took it out because he's not really a strat player. Yeah, and uh, he said uh, I still have all the original parts. 
Um, and he and he would put in the um, original uh, bridge pickup. Now this is this is why I'm mentioning that said FSR um, said I I could put in the. Yeah, you're right. It is the modern saddles. Um, but look at the way they're sitting. No, they look um, fine to me. They look great. Okay. Yeah, they look fine. To um, me. they look like to me. They look like uh, slightly, slightly misaligned teeth. But I could be wrong. Um, what do you mean misaligned teeth? You talk about the posts. You know, like you look at the D and G string posts. No, it's because they, they so they don't fit right against each other. They're using the tension of the string to pull the, the saddle string, straight. That's right. Which it which pulls it straight. Yeah. But you know what? In general, you want them to be tighter than this. This guy used like a modern string spacing on a vintage yep. bridge, which is basically what happened here. I think yep. based on the way it looks, because you can see that the like you said, the G and D is like more angled towards yeah. the metal, um, where they should be a little bit more, uh, just just a little. I'm I mean, you can play a guitar like that. I I honestly wouldn't recommend it. You're gonna lose some. You're gonna lose some uh, tone because <clears> the string yeah. transfer as the yep. uh, bridge saddle vibrates back and forth, but. But he did say he had the original ones, and they're not that hard to put back in. So it's not. But he, but he said uh, um, uh, the bridge has been updated. Uh, wait, wait. Um, oh, I installed an Seymour Duncan hot rails in the bridge. If you're interested, if you aren't interested in it, I could take it out and maybe lower the overall price. But that's a lot of work. <laughs> I have the original pickup, so I'm like, okay. First of all, if it's an FSR, that that means you want an FSR. If you're willing to pay the extra for an FSR, it's because you want the FSR, not an FSR with a with a. Um, yeah, it depends. We'll, we'll talk about that here in a second. Yeah, and uh, um, you're you know, to me, um, it's just, I don't know. If you're going to list an FSR at the at the going rate of the highest end FSR on say. Um, reverb and eBay, which makes sense. You're gonna you're gonna ask what you can get. Um, then wouldn't you want it to actually be an FSR, and you would want it to, you know, represent, um, be representative of what you're trying to sell. Um, there's no mention of a case or a or a bag. I don't know if they came with cases or bags. To be completely honest, seven hundred dollars. This would have been a bag if if they did if they did if anything I would be right, surprised if right. they didn't I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't so I don't know I I'm just uh, um you know kind of kind of like you know I, it would it would look better I mean to me I found one I wouldn't mind buying, but there's no way in hell they're ever going to get what they're thinking for it. This is probably show fodder right here, what I just found. We'll talk yeah. about this one in a minute. So, all right. Um, tell me about tell me about this because you you have a different look at this one, which all I all right. So this you know, one, again, that's, that's where I'm getting. So, the, so this one you're looking at is Daphne blue, right? It's yep. it's not the most common color for this guitar. Um, nope. All right. So I I have my issues with it, right? So like the saddles are mismatched. The bridge pickup is the wrong pickup for that guitar. It doesn't really make much difference because you're going to buy the guitar, you're going to buy the guitar. You know what I think that the FSR series really has going for it? Like the reissues in general. Let me get my cat out of the way. Um, yeah. What the what these series actually have going for them? It's the fact that um, they have a different neck contour. They have a different radius. I believe the yep. uh, 50s version has the original 7.2. Two five seven or whatever. and a quarter. This will be yep. nine point two five, I think. 
but it'll have basically, uh, you know, vintage correct, string spacing, vintage correct, everything else. I think a lot of people buy these guitars for the neck. They buy it for the neck more than they buy it for the body, which is why when Fender was actually selling necks, I think you can still do that. You can buy a Fender neck. They were selling the reissue necks like hotcakes because people would buy a standard and throw the reissue neck on it because they wanted the modern electronics with, a, you know, the playability of a, you know, 50s, 60s strap, right? In those cases. Now, do I think this guitar is worth $700? Hell no. Not in, especially not in the condition this guy's trying to sell it in. I think at best, he's going to get $350,400. Um, in actuality, the bridge pickup's not a big deal. I mean, I would play uh, I would play a Hot Rails. I just think it's not right for this guitar, right? But the um, uh, the missing volume pot, I mean, that's... Eh, I'm sure he's still got the knob for the pot. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know. I just... Yeah, but... but if you don't have strings on it, how do you even expect somebody to come and, and at least drum it to try it out? I mean, even I don't if, need to know that it works. Bring... Honestly, I don't even need to know that it works. If for four hundred dollars, that's I don't what need I'm saying. Know. For four hundred dollars, I don't need to know that it works. For for seven hundred right. bucks, this guy's never going to get seven hundred. First off, this guy's expecting somebody to lowball the crap out of him, and he'll yeah. get a four hundred fifty dollar offer, and he'll probably jump at it, or he'll say, "I'll tell you what." I'll 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 put the original pickup back in it and we'll go six hundred, and then maybe it becomes right. worthwhile, right? It, it, depending, um, I would actually yep. say in this case, don't put the original pickup back in it. Throw it in, and I'll give you I'll give you five hundred for it. Because because honestly, like these guitars were not okay. So the reissue series is is okay, but these guitars right. should not have been seven hundred bucks. Like when so this guitar is a twenty fifteen. Um, which meant like that was around the time when the, when the Mexican standards were like, what, 550, 600. Um, I mean, these guitars, what were like, they retail for like 800, I think new. So, so five years ago, a hundred dollars, a hundred dollar hit and the guy butchered it. I mean, that's not right. That I I, think that that's the biggest thing is when you take a guitar that again, like you said, the FSRs. For most people, the FSR was all about the neck profile. It's got the it's got the um, C um, nine and a half inch radius, you know. But um, for me, uh, I think I want a guitar that. Well, again, like I said, for four hundred dollars, I would not care if it worked. I can make it work. Okay, for Jim. another hundred and a half. Okay, Jim. While we're on it. I want you yep. to describe oh, yeah. this one to our listeners. And I okay. didn't like I didn't really like it at first, but then I started looking okay. closer and I'm like, what if they make me a deal? Now just ignore the shipping oh. and where it's coming from. Um actually I kind of like this. Flip it look at the it's picture of the back of it. And then I that's what I went, oh, I see what they did here. <laughs> oh my god. You know what that is, right? That's totally somebody yeah. uh so so what we're looking at is a, a white 60s reverse. Yep. Um Yep. Special I see what they're going for. Jimi Hendrix Stratocaster, right? Yep. They scalloped it. They scalloped most of the frets. Yeah, I know. I think they scalped everything, didn't they? Or maybe not the first three. Or yeah, they're very they light. No, they are scalloped, five. but they're very light. No, they're scalloped, but they're light. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, so yeah. the first three frets are scalloped. They're light. And then as you go up the board, it's like deeper scalloping, or at least it's more obvious and based on yes. the photos. This is a yep. made-in-Mexico... 
Jimi Hendrix reverse strat neck. No, who knows if it's a real body? Um, they relic the crap out of it. The relicking looks okay. It's not great. There could be some dirt forced in there, but I'll, I'll put it. plenty of dirt in that. Um, yeah. But it's, I mean, this is a, this is a Ingve machine. It's, it's a, it's a yep. vintage white. Uh, I don't think it's exactly Olympic white. And actually this looks quite a bit better than the Ingve model does. Um, yeah. But it, it's relic in a tasteful way. It's not like overdone. Uh, you right, know, you see some right. of these guitars where there's like no finish left on them. I mean, this this guitar looks like it's just been beat up a little bit. Um, yeah. I think it's I think it's Ingve Malmsteen played Jimi Hendrix. Or I mean, uh, ha, um, put his neck on Jimi Hendrix's guitar um, and then um, decided to beat the crap out of his Fender Marshall or I mean his Marshall amps with it. He, I mean, <laughs> he definitely. Oh, so so Ingve has some reverse headstock strats. Um, yeah. Which I don't I don't know whether those are like custom necks he's got or what because they weren't doing reverse headstock strats that frequently. Um, and they this guy to, even took the time to take some of the word volume off the volume knob. Do you notice that? Yeah, yeah. Some of the word volume is, is which uh, is pretty which is pretty exceptional. But but yeah. I, I would I would be reaching out to this guy. I mean, like you know, let's talk. Um, yeah. Except I don't think I can give you that, that much for shipping, it. That shipping, that shipping price is. Well, I can begin to come down price. I'm sure, but oh, Madrid, Spain. Yeah, 147 dollars shipped. Holy. <laughs> I mean, that's actually a, a bargain. Uh, usually, when you see yeah. European shipping for guitars, it's like 350 bucks. Um, that's wow, that's wild. That's wild, yeah. man. So he he definitely did a, a number of the same number on his sofa. Do you notice that? Yeah, his sofa is sofa. definitely. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's a two by four under it, underneath it, propping it up. So I'm not really sure. Yeah. <laughs> there's a relic job on that sofa for sure. There's a that's a relic sofa. That thing's from 19. That thing's older than the guitar for sure. Yeah, yeah. I I could dig if this guitar was more local. Like I say, it was from, you know, Nashville even, and I was, um, I could kind of dig what has happened to it. Um, I just don't know if I could tr uh, trust shipping from Madrid to here. Um, I'm not lying this, and get it, but uh, no, I could potentially fly over there and get it. But it is not. It is nice. If they let me yeah, in the country, if they let you me could, the, if they let me in the country, you got you got your passport. Is it active? You no, got, I don't have. I don't have a passport. That would be that would be the the big. No, I can't do this unless they meet me at the international terminal, and they can throw it to yep. me through customs. Yep. <laughs> Here, catch. I, I got to tell you, so. Uh, unfortunately, I'll I'll let everybody know my pet peeve because unfortunately, I um, I'll try to find this photo and if I can, I'll I'll send it to David to put it in the group um, when this is over. But so somebody um, posted a guitar in this area for like seventeen hundred dollars or twenty seven hundred dollars. What a ridiculously high yeah. amount of money for a used guitar um, that you're you know you're and here's my thing. They didn't have a picture of the guitar. I mean, yeah, well, that, that's I've why seen, I don't need a picture for it. <laughs> I mean, you sent me several it, listings that have this kind of thing going on, too, where somebody's yeah. asking for you to buy this, like, really expensive Les Paul or something, and there's no guitar picture. And they're literally putting, I, I've got one. Oh, the same guy, by the way, that he, he usually uses thumb thumbnails for some reason. Just put yeah, because he's probably looking Doesn't for know. you to just pay money and then he runs off with it. Yeah. Um, I, and, <clears throat> oh, 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 I wanted to show you one that's an obvious fake. But I wonder if it got pulled down already. I didn't report it because I didn't want to report it this time. I wanted to show it. But anyway. Um, screenshot next time. Screenshot. 
Yeah, I got to. This person had put in a $1,700 guitar and no picture of the guitar, just a closed case. <laughs> and I'm like, it's like they didn't realize they couldn't, they could only upload like one photo or they didn't know they could only, uh, or they could upload more photos. But then they picked like the worst photo they could upload, just a closed case. What the hell does that tell and me? There was a Les Paul in the area. Oh God, I got to find this Les Paul. Um, and they had, you could tell that the headstock was painted, which means what? Either fake, like fakery. Or it's had right. a repair. Or, <laughs> or it's had a repair. And the and when I look at the um uh does get fake when I look at yeah, when I look at the guitar body, I see the epiphone bridge with the screws. Yeah. Um and I'm like, oh come on. You didn't even have you didn't even do a good job. And then a, a, a serial number that's like this long. I have never seen a serial number that long on a on a guitar in the in the twenty thousands that was you know, all the way across the headstock. Not just like probably. I mean, we're talking the whole yeah, way across yeah. the like they, they, were run, they were running out of space to put more serial numbers on it. Some of these yeah, numbers I'm have got to match. <laughs> oh come on! And and he was trying so hard. Oh, seriously, this is not a fake. Yeah, this is a fake. You're trying too hard to convince me. When you me say it's, not, it's a not a fake, then it is a fake. <laughs> then it's just, a fake. In general, like, that's the fastest way to tell if you're looking at a fake guitar or not. If they said this is the real deal, no, it's not. <laughs> Chances are, it's and not. it looked like, yeah, it looked like it had a headstock break. Um, yeah. And I think he said that it had a head headstock break, but it was fixed. And the reason that. Um, and then he said that that that's why I uh, had to paint everything at the headstock. And so I was like, oh, come on. You didn't even do a good job of faking this thing out. It's it's terrible. But it, it's one of those people that are that are trying to sell a fake Les Paul, um, you know, uh, for um, a little bit better than uh, Epiphone money. Uh, so that they can, you know, you know, I was just thinking like, um. Somebody I know on Facebook got a Rolex the other day, uh -huh. and I was talking oh, to a, I was talking to a buddy about it. It wasn't it's not a fake Rolex, right? Um, that's not where this conversation is going. But they got a Rolex the other day. I was thinking about it because there are fake Rolexes that roll around all the time, right? Um, oh yeah, Bolex and yeah. Bolex. So anyway, this guy he gets he gets a Rolex for his wife, right? It's like their 40th anniversary, and um, somebody I grew up around. And I was talking to my buddy about it, and he says, he says, oh, I get a Rolex after I've been working at my company for 25 years. He's been there about 10 years now. Um, mm -hmm. And he's like, so, or no, he said 10 years. They give Rolexes at 10 years, right? So I'm kind of thinking, yep. like, that's like $7,500 or $10,000. Like, what would I do with, like, a Rolex? And I get like my yeah. immediate my immediate thought was I'm gonna sell that bitch. Sell like it. that's the first thing I do <laughs> sell it, and then I'm gonna go buy a really expensive guitar instead. <laughs> exactly. I wish they'd give me that money. Yeah, um, dude. Like uh, that stuff drives me center. crazy. <laughs> that drives me crazy when employers do that. This is what you mean to our company. Here, have this bonus check of, or not bonus check, but here have this bonus of a really fancy watch or. Or, um, or have you? Does your company do the thing where you get to pick from a catalog after a certain amount of time? No. They'll. Uh, oh, yeah. Hell, I'm where, like, I'm still getting paid. <laughs> we we got in Verizon. We'd get a choice in a catalog, and they'd have, uh, it, and it was like in the catalog just to be just to be like at your first year, then your fifth year. Is it all? Is it all Verizon branded? 
And there was a lot of Verizon branded crap in there. And I'm like, oh, don't be insulting. I'm not buying Verizon branded crap. You might let me go next week. I don't know. What I don't want to have your name on my, you know, fancy watch or, you know, like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought to myself, you've got to be shitting me. It, 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 there is no freaking here, way. Here, we're going to honor your time with our company by making you a walking advertisement for it. Seriously. I- <laughs> So my son and I were watching this. This comes to guitars, but my son and I were watching a uh, um, a thing about uh, pricing price guides for like uh, if you're selling comic books, right? Sure, and sure. Uh, Wizard used to worst, be a big one. Yeah, Wizard was a big one, but now they you can send off comic books that you think are. Oh my god! I'm so glad this hasn't you know touched the I'm guitar going. industry yet. Yes, you know where I'm going, right? Yes. So you can take these these. Um, uh, comic books and you can send this them off and then they return and you you pay shipping and you pay protection and you pay insurance some of these some of these comics that people are getting priced out are are eight ten hundred thousand two hundred thousand dollar um comics um anyway one of the first things they tell um people not to do um when they're doing this and this comes from Folks don't don't send them to someone. Take it to the shows and have them CGC grade it there. You know, yeah, CGC. That's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, the CGC. I know it is. Yeah. And what's the other thing? What's the thing you should not get done unless the CGC is there to witness it? Uh, put it in a sealed plastic wrapper, right? Get it signed. Oh yeah, yeah. The autograph is useless without someone from the cgc i thought about that because there's a person here who's got like six or eight guitars that they're listing they're like oh i worked with um insert heavy metal band um what's the one that carpenter was in part of uh, uh the deftones uh, deftones thank you well it's like oh yeah i worked with the deftones and they signed this one i worked with you know this punk band and they signed this one and i worked with the math metal band and they signed this one i'm like the, you worked with a bunch of people that signed crappy guitars. <laughs> I mean, Squire. Look, look. This, this, I mean, they do do it. Right, Don't right, get me wrong. Right. So this is what this is the border of when something. So like, what's a comic book used for? Like, well, let's let's build this analogy. Let's do it the right way. Right. What's a comic book right. used for? Comic book used for right. entertainment. You're supposed to read That's it. Right. You're supposed to enjoy the right. art in it. You can enjoy the cover as well. When you see GC grade something, what they do is they take it and they put it in a plastic sleeve. It's a hard plastic sleeve. Um, they assign a value to it based on uh, a book of criteria. Now, CGC grading is actually not supposed to determine the value of the item. CGC grading is just supposed to say conditional not. grading. That's right. right. That's um, what it is. And that's what makes this whole conversation hilarious is that you will see people who will not buy something that is not CGC graded. And yeah. It's like, well, what's the point? You can't friggin' read it. Like, well, how that, are you going to read it? It's CGC graded. It, it's in a sealed plastic housing. If you open that CGC seal. Yeah, it's basically ruined. You have to get it re-CGC graded. And we drop the, the grading. And, well, if you read it, you're going to drop the value anyway. If you've seen the list of criteria that they have, it's just nuts. Now, here's why I think this is this is dangerous. Because we have a collector's mar- market in the guitar community. I think everybody's clearly keenly aware that there are collectors out there some of the people we talk about this on this show people like philip mcknight are not players they're collectors okay look at philip mcknight's wall and realize the level of player he is right and what he does with them 
All right. So for the most part, oh, these are all my children. You're a collector. Like, cut the crap. That's right. So don't tell me you're playing 24 guitars a day. And yes, I'm definitely going to call out collectors. I think I think instruments don't need to be collected so much as enjoyed. Um, and right. I think that there's a cottage industry built around collectors that hurts the rest of us who are the actual players. If there were no collectors, I honestly don't think you would see the amount of reissue crap that goes on. And I don't think you would see the amount of like special edition things that no one really wants. Okay, like we're talking like the monster Telecaster, like the monster telly that came out from Schecter or whatever, and those kind of guitars. No one would care about that crap. Um, so here's here lies the problem, right? So if you got CGC grading going on in that world, and now they have card companies doing the same things. Um, yep. There's a company that does that for actually Magic the Gathering cards, believe it or not. Um, yeah. And there are, I mean, you want to talk about something that's nuts. There are Magic the Gathering cards worth $20,000. Um, that are that were in the first edition, like you know, pre promo set thing, um, the beta set. Anyway, when you look at something like guitars, we don't really have like the vaulted mentality yet. Uh, sure, there are fifty nine less Pauls that sit in vaults. Um, they're probably yep. you know humidity controlled stuff, but for the vast majority of vintage guitars, they're cased somewhere. Like, they're not necessarily, like, in a humidity-controlled environment. And I have had people, there's always the one-up guy, right? Everybody knows him. But I've had people tell me, my buddy's got a 58 Strat, and it's in a it's in a humidity-controlled room. And it's like, dude, cut the shit. Like, yep. he's got it in a case somewhere in his house. <laughs> if he's got one at all, right? There's always, there's always the person, like you said, that's got to one-up your story. So... The the second you say that you played like like the day I played uh, the forty thousand dollars Stratocaster, that's sixties three thirty five I played. You know, like yeah, somebody's yeah. got to say yeah. Well, I played. Uh, for, I don't really care. I was just saying. Yeah, that I it was a, a wonderful week. experience. And I hope you enjoyed yours too. If you did, right, <laughs> right, and I didn't think it was that good. <laughs> it was a good guitar, but I didn't think it was. I thought it was my point was I didn't think it was a forty thousand dollar guitar, but hey. I'm not worried about looking and and being Stevie Ray Vaughan in some weird moment. Well, so here's here's where this is this is all going. I can see us getting to a point where somebody comes up with a grading system for guitars based on yep. their their I guess playability or I don't know. Maybe maybe just, you know, uh how pristine it is and yep. that this is the collector's version. Like I, I don't want collector's guitars. I want guitars that were road hard and put away wet. Like that's because yeah. if they're road hard, chances are they were pretty damn good because if they were crap, that's, they probably would have just sat under somebody's bed. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, that's one of the things we, we talked about that earlier this week. That's where so I'm going with this. And so. I really want to go there. Um, Bonamassa was saying um, in two of his, his videos, one where he was talking to Mark Ignisi and one where he's talking to Brad Paisley. They were both caught it this week where, or last, I guess it's last week now, cause we're recording this on Sunday, but, um, where he spoke, um, about the fact that he's not interested in guitar that, that came off the shelf that it's, Oh, look, it came out of the, the custom shop. That's nice. although he has a damn lot of signatures. He has a lot of signature models. And he even says, he says, he says very specifically, he was talking to Ignisi about this. He said, I try to hide the signature as much as possible because I know there are people that that's not why they buy them. But anyway, so um, 
because uh, it's got a new, there's a new Epiphone custom coming out, uh, three pickup custom one, Black Beauty that's coming out. That's going to be his. Um, <laughs> anyway, that that uh, the point is um, that I'm making is he he pulled out three different guitars. One he called Lazarus. I'll, I'm going to tell two very short stories. So the one he pulled out was Lazarus, and he talks about how it was um, cherry red when it was handed to him. Um, and uh, long story short. They took the finish off, found out it was um, actually a burst. So they finished taking the red off. And I don't know. I'm not a luthier or a, a finisher, so I wouldn't know how you could take one finish off and have maybe, another finish still there. The but nitro, I, maybe the nitro was applied differently, and they put a yeah. urethane finish over the top of it, which is not uncommon. A lot of times you'll find them with they've been hand-brushed on over something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. Very crappy finish. That's, that's the next story I'm going to tell you. Um, so... It, Lazarus, because it came back from the grave, it's a 58 or 59 Les Paul standard that um, possibly was a great. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, that's that, it's the real thing. Got, and he showed the guy showed the you know pictures of himself with it when it was one color and then it became another color. So that's how they they kind of figured. Oh, yeah, it was a. And, and so anyway, they they removed the finish, got it to the finish that it was supposed to be, and of course he had to refinish it because once you take one finish off, it kind of looks like crap and. Uh, buff and polish and do everything else to get it back where it was. But it was this beautiful guitar that had been played for how many years is that? 50 something years, right? 52 years. So then Brad Paisley was talking about one of his guitars. He bought a black um, He was looking. Like, yeah, did, I, let me tell you this story because I'm really familiar with yeah, that. Yeah, go ahead. So he's yep. looking for a Paisley Telecaster, right? Yep. And yeah. um, he cannot find a decent price on one. This is back in the early days before he had a ton of money. And he was like, yep. I just, I, he's like, I'm just going to have to buy one and have it refinished. So he buys one and he sends it to his guy to refinish it, who starts chipping away at the finish. And they realize, oh my God, it's got the Paisley fabric underneath. <laughs> he actually bought a Paisley that had been refinished. So he bought the black one knowing it was a refinished guitar, but not knowing it was a Paisley underneath. And he just lucked That's out. Right. Yep. And so that was a 60s something. And because it was refinished, with such an ugly, and that's the one I was talking about that was like hand done, was yeah. really crappy finish. He just wanted it off, and he said, "Hey, I want a Paisley one, so let's just Paisley it anyway." And they said we wouldn't do this for anybody except their name is Paisley, um, because Paisleys weren't really yeah. popular. And, and who knows if that actually it. happened or whatever. But anyway, they do, and they peeled it off. They they actually did yeah. have to go over relacquer it, but the Paisley was yeah. already there. So yeah, so there's some of it missing, and it's kind of but. The fact is they were able to get the black off and get to the Paisley finish, which I thought was cool. He goes, I'm the only person that had a, a signature guitar 50 years before I played. Right. Right. But <laughs> because they, 20 years before I was born, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was something like that. 20 years before I was born or 50 years before I played guitar. Something like that. I can't remember. But um, it's just funny to hear the story like that. But um, I think the point is just like uh, just like you're you're saying there's so many people who get caught up in um and and it's it's okay you know there's nothing wrong with being caught up in the look of the the guitar in a certain way but um i think it's it's down to you and the individual on how you feel a guitar feels and sounds right? and um you know if it's if it doesn't look good, like if I if I get sick of that uh, SG looking that way, I can get somebody to paint it another color. 
Yeah, nowadays, I mean, it's and it's not even that uncommon, um, especially on a new guitar. But like for like old collectors market stuff, people don't want that. I mean, it's um, yeah. that's why the grading thing is like so dangerous because that could happen, and then and then people will be looking at new guitars with this like different mindset too. Like, do I want to change that because it's hey. going to lower the value when I'm older? And we really don't. I mean, I just don't think we should be all that afraid of doing stuff. Um, no. Dude, I'm the guy that like I'll rip parts off a guitar and forget where I put it and just sell it without the parts because I'm just like I don't care. I I, I want to play it. You know that's what I'm buying this for. That's what I'm in this hobby yeah. for. And uh, I hope I'll, other people take that mentality seriously. Well, I remember when I, of course, I'm I'm a lot older, and when I was growing up, a lot of people painted their guitars. Hendrix painted his guitar. Um, uh, uh, Clapton painted his guitar, and a lot of those guys. They, they may not have painted it, but they were dating artists or they were, you know, stoned and they came out and somebody had, what, what is it? The, the, um, the story behind, uh, the, the dragon, um, telly, right? Uh, he they, was in art they, school. He was an paint. artist. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like, yeah, I'm going to paint the dragon on there. And then of course the, yeah. the mirrors, it was like an art yep. school thing. And, <laughs> yeah. and then he was like, what the, f <laughs> so yeah, yeah you can't. I don't, I think uh, that makes a guitar yours, but yeah. we have to remember that when we do that, when we personalize a guitar, it um, takes the value out of it. Like this guy did with that but, blue FSR. Right. I mean, it's but only it valuable to you, right. but don't feel bad about that. Right. Don't feel bad about it. You made it, you made it yours. And during the time, that's what, um, again, I hate to, the to rental fee comment, comment for us. You know, we've always talked about the rental yeah. fee. You, you're you're um you're only renting it while you have it you're you're here we are here in a limited time compared to these things yeah think about it there's 59 owners who aren't around anymore <laughs> you know or not around the guy amos that uh was famous that that uh had the flying v the bottom of did the whole yeah know, thing he's gone it. he's gone speaking of flying v's and there was one um paisley was talking about a woman that that sold him um, his other Paisley tally and uh, the woman's husband had passed away and she wanted him to have it. And he goes, I cannot take this guitar from you. I, I can't. And she goes, I want you to have it. You're, you are supposed to be the one that carries this on. And he goes, um, I can't, I can't take it from you. And he, and he had somebody value it. He found out how much it was worth. And then he said, I, I, she said, no, he said, you could, you could buy a house with this. She goes, I own my home. My husband, my husband is gone. I have money for my children. I want you to have this. And it was, it was really, I mean, it was cut touching sentiment, but it, it shows that in, in the end, these things are tools. You, you were talking about that. They're tools. They, they inspire us differently. We talked about that, the different way you are inspired versus sure, the way sure. I'm inspired. But they're still tools. When I sit down and I play there, oh, so I was I I've been working on Stairway to Heaven this week, and I I know that's a ridiculous thing. <laughs> so I was working. I'm trying. I'm trying to do before before the laughter gets too deep. I'm trying to do a note for note on the solo, right? So I've I've learned the solo a hundred times, but to learn it note for note, let me just say there's a lot of botch jobs in there. Jimmy did not play that solo perfectly, and because of that. If you play in your pentatonic, A minor pentatonic, you're going to blow it. <laughs> you're going to blow it. Um, 
So uh, anyway, I was playing it, and uh, I was playing on Strat because I knew it was it was recorded on telly. I'm like, ah, this just doesn't feel right. So I put the Strat away, and I took the SG down, and I played it on the SG, and I'm like, ah, just it's almost there. I mean, I know we played it live on an SG, but almost there. And so I put the SG down. I pulled down. Of course, I just got my V back. I pulled down the the um, the Les Paul and I played it. And I was like, "That's it." I w- I felt like um, when uh, uh, the the uh, Christmas episode of Charlie Brown, where um, Schroeder's trying to play the you know uh, Jingle Bells. She goes, "You know Jingle Bells with pretty girls and ho 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 and all that." Tick, 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 tick. She goes, that's it. That was what I felt like when I did that. That's it right there. That's it. And I would, I had my amp cranked. You can see I've got my spark here because I'm doing a new, uh, I'm doing an updated spark video. Um, Another one? So Positive Grid actually uh, reached out and they um, they commented on uh, our video. Oh, nice. Yeah, so um, I promised that I would do an updated, uh, updated thing. What were they like? They're like, "You uh, asshole! You you lying!" Nope, nope. They said, "Nice video." They were very positive, and they said, "By the way, here's how you can turn the pedals off if you can't get to the button." Oh, is that 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 was them that they commented on that? I saw that. Yep. Yep. As a matter of fact, I think they were the first comment. Um. So out of the few hundred views that we've had, our one of our first um, earliest views was Positive Grid themselves. So I've got to give them, I've got to give them um, accolades for the fact that they are trying. They're paying attention um, to their social media, at least. Yeah, they are. And they're doing a very good job of that. Um, so anyway, um, I was cranking through the Marshall uh, this, this week and uh, just, you know, doing Stairway to Heaven and uh, finding out that... Um, Jimmy Page did some random sh- in that, in that, that solo is just off the charts when it comes to uh, some of the stuff that he does in there. But we come back to what you were talking about. So um, it, you were saying that, that and Bottomos actually said something that was very close. I just, I wasn't saying that what you were saying was false. I was just saying, I didn't think that that the word a lot, I think that means diff- a different thing to a, to different people. When well, I say a lot, I mean like, a lot, like more than seventy percent, is is what I look at as a lot. So if I if I say most, that means it's over fifty percent. You know, it's just a, it's so a semantic a thing. But uh, what we were yeah, talking we were talking about that what Jim's referring to is we were talking about closet classics. So we're yeah. talking about guitars that were bought in the sixties and fifties and maybe early seventies that yeah. sat underneath somebody's bed or in their closet or in the back of a barn in storage somewhere and yep. somebody discovered them when somebody died and or uh, the person just finally just said they didn't want it anymore and they're cleaning out the attic. Um, yeah. These guitars have been showing up for decades now at this point. That's right. For probably 25, right. 30 years. And and they command big prices for guitars that are largely unproven. Um, and I think this that there's a lot of commentary. So I, I think... A lot of people look at the situation and they say, this is not common. This doesn't happen all that much. And um, I would say, and this is this is why I want to point this out. I would say that it's probably more common than people think it is. But, right. But 
and like all of the closet classic guitars you see at shows um, are probably this kind of scenario in some way, shape, or form. Maybe yep. it was somebody's second guitar, you know, or that kind of thing. But basically, it's largely right. played, right? Um, and I don't know that I would necessarily be inclined to buy one of them. Um, that's a collector's thing, in my opinion. And I think collectors I th want the guitar that's like unscathed from that time right. period. If, right. If I was to find, let's say, okay, for example, if I was to find an untouched, practically untouched, 1964 Stratocaster or Les Paul or SG. It wouldn't be a Les Paul because they weren't being built. It would have been SG. Um, uh, or something like that. Uh, it's unfortunate because I was I was born in the year that that Les Paul wasn't being built anymore. Right. They, they were in hiatus from, what, 60, 61 to um, – it might have been 62, but – I want to say it was 61, 61 to 68 or 69. Mm -hmm. There was no Les Pauls. Um, I can't remember the exact year that they, they went in and out. But I do know that I think it was 61, the SG took over, and it went to um, the late 60s. So um, my, my, my point is I would probably pay – I would probably be willing to pay a premium price for 64 because it's my birth year. Mm -hmm. um or say in 82 because that's the year i graduated high school um where where maybe some it's commemorative if it was a a closet queen even if it was a beat up player that was just beat to crap like it looked like it had been in a house fire i mean <laughs> you know we've all seen the them. i mean off. it's it's yeah. an srv number one scenario yeah and I, I would be willing to do that because um, it would be commemorative of something, you know, or maybe a 1985 because that was the year I got married. Guitar's got a lot um, of history, right? I mean, that's essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And, and but I think I look at I look at some of the stuff um, and I I go. I've got four guitars hanging on the wall behind me. And, and just like you and I think you would be in the same boat or boat as me in that um, I love the way all three of them sound. And I don't care what, not you in particular, but you as a whole, the other the whole guitar audience thinks about them. Yeah. I mean, that's, they're mine. I bought a Kiesel that's and, ugly as sin. So yeah, no, I don't think it's ugly. I think I, 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 I do. <laughs> I love it. My, my son said to me today, he saw Steinberger in Guitar Center and he goes, Hey, dad, that guitar's broken. It's missing his <laughs> If I, I had a nickel saying, for every time I've heard that joke, I'd be filthy rich right now. No, he wasn't joking. He thought that I, it was I know. I know. I'll and, take the uh, nickel any way I can get it. They could be joking or not. I mean, if I have to hear it and one then, more time. We had seen um, uh, what's his name was playing a Vader. Oh, Stevie Stevie T yeah. was playing a Vader. Um, where he's this, you'll love this uh, video. He's proving that SpongeBob SquarePants was a fakeist. That SpongeBob SquarePants did not actually play the guitar solo in uh, whatever songs he was playing. I don't remember the song. I do remember it's fun, but it has a sound like um, uh, what's the what's the. Um, uh, I want to rock. Da, oh, yeah. Da, 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 da. The Goofy Goober song. And, 
Oh, that's it. The Goody Goober song. Goofy Goober. So was, but anyway. It's a Goofy Goober. Yeah. yeah, but it's a it's a Twisted Sister song. I want to yeah. rock. Come on. Everybody knows I mean, when well, you're looking for, let, let's say, what year were you born? 70 or uh, 82, 83? I, the fact that he said 71st is like hilarious. I was born in 84. Yeah, I know, I know. I was born in 84. I'm not that old. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was married in 85. Um, <laughs> oh, geez. So anyway, um, Yeah. You're you're from what area? No. Um, so anyway, uh, L. I was in the I was in the Chicago area in '83. Not um, from Chicago. So, oh, good. Um, so I dodged that bullet, <laughs> huh? Yeah. Whew. Um. Uh. I well, I was uh, more in the Milwaukee area for that. But anyway, so the um uh, the thing is that that um all joking aside, that's all jokes. By by the way, folks, don't don't take that seriously. Um. The we'll uh, talk after the show. Yeah. <laughs> the um uh the fact is that that um uh if you were to find a 1984 guitar, right? Yeah, I've been looking for a birth year guitar for a number of years. I haven't found one I like. Yeah. Not yeah, one that I could like yeah. where I had the money at the time, you know. Right, um, and that you would want. Let's yeah. l- let me ask you this. What would be uh for me it would probably be a stratocaster. For me, I would probably buy a, a 64 strat. Not because I think a 64 Strat is better I mean, than it. It have to be the right 80s metal not... machine. Because that's like, right, would it... that was the thing in 84, right? Like it was like right. fusion so guitars or some kind of crazy Kramer or yeah. um, actually I would rather do a Charvel, but because uh, okay, they're a little yeah. bit more traditional at that time. Or maybe really the Fenders in that era are pretty crappy. I don't think they were doing yeah, the heavy metal terrible. Strat yet. Um, nope. and I want something that's like some outrageous color too, like, like lime green, no neon green or like neon yes. pink. Um, yes, because if it wasn't an outrageous, um, vibrant color, it would be, it and, wouldn't say I'm a 1984 shred machine. I didn't think that actually happened to like 85, 86 where the, the like day glow colors became popular. Um, I could see like an A team style, like color scheme or something. Um, like the red Kramers, uh, the candy apple red Kramers and that kind of stuff. uh, They say if you live through the 80s and can remember it, you weren't there. But was it it, um, (laughs) you were too young and I I, and I was uh, overseas most of the time. Believe it or not, I have a weird sense because I spent so many years overseas in the 80s and 90s. um, I have a weird sense of what year things happened because. I would come home and people would say, oh, yeah, this is in or this is hip or this is the new the new thing we're doing. And I would go, oh, I totally missed that because I was gone last year for the most part, you know, um, but oh, th- this this piques was, my interest. Uh, wasn't uh, uh, Cisa DeVille popular in 84? No, was it was later, like yet? 87, 88. Yeah. Poison was oh, popular that's right. at the end of the 80s. That's right. Which is why I think that that's probably when those guitars became like really famous, the crazy stuff. I am looking at a at a 1984 uh, Fender Telecaster made in Japan, uh, Butterscotch. Oh, that. See, yeah, see, Beautiful that would be finish. where I would buy a, an MIJ. I don't know how yeah. many pieces this body is made out of, though. It looks like four. Uh, Send me a link. Yeah, I'm, I'm sending you a link right now. Uh, it looks like it's made out of four pieces. Um, which I, I've had good luck with Japanese guitars before, especially like Fender and that kind of thing, but it's a three piece body actually. 
Um, and this one looks pretty good. They say the condition is good. Uh, what's wrong with it? Wow. Neck warped. I mean, I want to no, know. No, I think that they're just looking at the, the body, but I, I wouldn't care about those body dings. That's just, that's I'm just, I'm looking a for a tally right now. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, that's gorgeous. I'm going to have to watch this one. Um, that's gorgeous. Go to, go to tuners. So those are not, uh, just had to happen um, today, didn't it? Um, yeah. I was pricing out a warm off tally this afternoon. That's not a bad price. Is that? Yeah. No. Want one K? I mean, and it's flexible too. So, uh, nobody buy this. Yep. I will not be posting this picture in the show notes. Nope. I'm um, not gonna. I'm not gonna share this. Um, <laughs> I might be cutting this little segment out. Uh, that guitar. That guitar right there. I would buy that if it was local. I would buy that. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Uh, that being said, like, I'm looking at 1984 guitars here, and I'm not really seeing anything that's like, um outrageously colored the bowling ball strats are popular well they're yeah, popular now the they weren't popular back then they're popular now um very expensive these lots of black silver red cream not a lot of like wild pink and that kind of stuff that would be my wife's birth year which would be another significant year for me to to snag and i want to get my two kids as well um, but yeah. I want to get something that's representative of those eras, right? Um, so well, this they... is. Go ahead. Let me ta let me say this about the one you're looking at, because <laughs> it does look really good. So the only reason I would say it was in good condition, I think that they did a good job saying that. Look at the back, that obvious buckle rash, um, yeah. in a in a diagonal on the back, um, and then in the front where you've got the where the arm came over. They were obviously wearing like a either a. a a watch with a with a heavy band or uh like maybe they were wearing heavy metal band on their wrist which is Cause hilarious because that, because that, that's a telecaster like what telecaster. were they doing with like the big like stony rhinestone -y crap yep. <sighs> yep or they were drinker and they they would have a bottle beer bottle and, yeah and, yeah that could be um, as well and there's the scratch going down from the um from the tone pot towards the output jack so i would say that's in a good condition and i would also say if this guitar was up for sale locally um and i could get my hands on it i might buy that that is that's a player that's definitely a player nice guitar but anyway so yeah um i just got a message from john bot and he asked me how what i thought of the of the uh bottomasa uh, event bottomasa show i was gonna I ask you about that. that we can finish with that yeah, but I'm looking like 1984. There's not really anything in my color segment or anything like that that really jumps out at me at this point. And it's a lot of weird brands I'm not super familiar with, which yeah, is another like you'll see a lot of BC Rich, but I'm sort of familiar with. Um, Hamer's popular at that time period for like a kind of off brands. And then you see all this crazy stuff like Phil Kubicki. And um, I've seen lots of the Japanese brands that are now defunct. Greco and that yep. kind of stuff. Yep. Um, yep. That's normal. Epiphone, you know, that was popular back then. They were just starting out with the uh, Gibson knockoff lines. Uh, you'll see yep. ESPs occasionally. Uh, I've seen Quartz at this time period, which is kind of mind boggling to me. Um, lots yep. of West Tone and other like Kramer influenced or Kramer owned brands. 
So it's like, for me, it's kind of a landmine. There's some good stuff if you know what you're looking at, but I'm not super familiar with the period, which makes it really yep. tough to find cool stuff from that time period. By the way, I'm seeing several other um, Fender American Vintage reissue type items. Now, these are Americans. Here's a, here's a 52 tally for 2200 I just found one that I like that you might like. It's the right color scheme that you're looking for. Um, it's in that shredder um, thing. I got it. I'm going to buy this Gibson map. <laughs> Gibson map. They would have done that in 1984, wouldn't they have? They would. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit more outrageous. that He sent me a candy apple red, Fujijin, Japan. Um, it's in excellent shape. Fender. Yeah, so that would have been With a the equivalent of the... Of the um, that's not a Kaler, though. Uh, yeah, it may have had a Kaler originally, but that's a Floyd. Yep. Yeah, that's a Floyd. Um, like, what are they but, What are they on? <laughs> more, more reasonably priced, but not your color scheme. Um, that is a Kaler. I'll be damned. They put Floyd saddles on a Kaler. Yep. That guitar better be cheaper than they're really? selling it for. Well, I imagine that they've got some wiggle room. I don't want wiggle room. In that price. In the price. There's a two post strat that you sent me in black. Eh. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, there, I mean, there's guitars out there. My, um, I don't want to collect though. Like that's the other side of it. Like I need to find something that I can actually use. And that's why I haven't pulled the trigger on anything yet. Um, yeah. So, you know, they're out there. You can find stuff. I mean, uh, I forget yep. what we were. Oh, we were talking about the closet classic thing and like how frequent that actually is. Yeah. I, I think it's becoming more frequent. Don't get me wrong. I think that that, that as time goes on, it only makes sense. There would be more of them lying can, around. Can I ask a question? Yeah. How many of those closet classics do you think are actually fake? That's the problem. And That's, it's and it's hard. The other shoe yeah, drops and as long as you have a real serial number, it's hard to know. There's no I mean as far as I know there's no registry for fenders. Um and for in order for that to happen, You'd have to get a grassroots community of Fender collectors and owners who register their serial numbers and pictures of the guitar so that you could bounce back and forth. And if somebody's showing you a serial number, you can go and verify it against the pictures in the registry of that guitar at a given date. And I really think we could use something like that in the community, but that also becomes a collector's thing, which is going to drive yep. the prices up. Which and, Yeah, which brings us back to that CDC thing or CGC, I mean. But I could see us getting there because the value on this stuff is getting so ridiculous and there's no ver verification. Like unless you have right. an expert that can look at it, but even they can't tell you if it's if it's real or fake because, I mean, I've seen guitars in stores. All right, so I played a guitar in a store one time and I thought it was a Warmoth guitar. Turned out this dude built it to Warmoth specs, like from scratch, right? And yeah. I was kind of like, well, that's weird, you know, because... Um, <laughs> like that that that's weird and you kind of think about it like how easy is it to make a guitar like when the quality spec was all over the place back in the day to make a guitar that could pass as a 57 strat i well, mean yeah and if you 
if you think about damn easy. So, yeah, my birth year, which is 64, the 64 strat is extremely um popular. So <clears throat> like a 59 Les Paul, there the prices are starting to creep up. They're getting in the 20s and 30s now, right? Yeah, 61 to 64 um, is is about 20k now. Yep. So Fender has created um reissues on the 64s. And so if you search for a 64 strat, you might actually be looking at a reissue or a uh, uh um what do you call that? A relic. Yeah. So and then those prices aren't exactly cheap. So it, it's like there's no there's no value in a reissue to me because that wasn't created the year I was born. Right. So it's kind of like you know I don't want a reissue I, I, I of that was, guitar. Like I don't. Um You know, I was thinking about I was I was thinking about this today. Um yeah, well, uh, let's finish this thing. Yeah, I don't want a reissue of the guitar that that I'm looking for. You wouldn't want a 1984 that was built last week. Hell no. That's not a 1984. It's a 2020 or 2020. I want you know. the I want part of the allure of doing it is buying the history. Right. Right. And I would want one, much like uh, what uh, Joe Badamasa is, that, that's got a picture of a person that, that, hey, I can bounce that against the guitar and I can say, oh, yeah, that was, you know. Um, and it wouldn't be surprising for me if it was an old Polaroid. You know what I mean? <laughs> a really badly yeah, Specifically for the gu guitars I'm looking at, specifically a Polaroid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you're, you're still in the, in the regular film era and Polaroid pictures were definitely uh, popular in that. That time frame, yeah, 1984. I remember taking several remember. 35 millimeters with my Pentax Polaroids. Yeah, I remember all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I even had one of those cameras with a little cube on it with sort of flash, and you'd get four flashes, and you'd throw the cube away. And get yeah, four. yeah, yeah. That's there. There are a few of those in some landfills that were mine. Um, so yeah, it. It's hard when you're looking at $20,000 for a guitar. It is very difficult to say, I want that guitar badly enough. You know, I, I paid, I paid that for my car, right? I mean, it's just crazy. I want a good Gibson Corvus. No, I'm kidding. Nobody wants a Gibson Corvus. Nobody wants a Gibson map either. No. <laughs> what the hell are no. they thinking when they made the map? Um, I know. That's that's why I laughed when you said it. Um, I had to be born in the year when they did the maps. You know, that just. <sighs> anyway, I'm I'm surprised. So you so saw, let me ask you. Do you watch the bon the bottom the? All right, let me stop before I bottom before I talk about boner yeah. massa. Can I share my boner massa story for the day? I didn't know he got lessons yeah. from Danny Gatton. And, yeah, crazy, uh, right? I saw him play this acoustic thing on YouTube and talk about Danny Gatton and play some of the Danny Gatton licks that he learned. And it was like, wow, the guy's a lot better than he, uh, than he lets on on his records. Uh, you know, if you can play Danny Gatton stuff and you're playing like Joe Bonamassa, I'm kind of questioning what's going on. Cause, uh, you obviously have a talent and ability level that's far beyond what people realize. Um, and you're just yep. content to play like, you know, basically Led Zeppelin riffs with you know uh a blues band you know yep you watched the you watched the pay-per-view event what'd you think yep i enjoyed it were you in the audience you no know, it was 
No, I didn't spend that much money. I think you made but a I wise will be decision. Getting, I will be getting an album, well, a digital album on December or October 23rd. Um, did I talk? I thought about, it was really good. Did I talk yeah, about the ahead. Paul Gilbert record I bought that I pre-ordered? No, let's no. go ahead and talk about Bonamassa. We'll we'll finish with that. All right. Well, I I kind of wanted to touch on one more thing, but I'll 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 do the Bonamassa thing. I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. I I would I would definitely do it again. Um, I knew that part of the money, not a lot, but part of the money went to uh, um, give. I don't know if you know that he's doing this, but. Uh, musicians who are not gigging, who are regular gigging musicians, can put in for this package from him, and uh, he will give a certain amount of money. Um, it's not a ton, but it, it's because he's doing this for a lot of people. So um, it's uh, a, an amount of money that that pays for so that they can have um, money to pay the bills until they get through this thing. So um, if you're a musician and you're a professional, you can actually put in for this. Bottomasa money and and there Gibson gave money for it. Um, a lot of what Bottomasa is doing right now is for that. Mm-hmm. He said, "I'm lucky. I have money. I can make it through this. I'll be fine." He goes, yeah. "But not everybody is so lucky." And I want to continue. And since I can do these things and I can continue to make money, I want to give this money to um, these charities. I don't want so, to say this is a bad thing, but like that's to his advantage to do that too because. The vast majority of his audience is musicians. So. Musicians, yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no question about that. But I think a lot of them, um, you know how they call uh, uh, PRS's blues lawyer guitars. I think most of the people I know, at least, that are Bonamassa fans, are blues lawyers. Yeah, I mean, I know some people that aren't, but but that's you know, the, right? Uh, yeah. I think that's the stereotype for sure. Yeah. Um, now, I could be wrong. I, I'm, but I'm just saying a lot of the people I know that are Bottomasa fans, myself, John Bott, we're we're blues lawyers. I mean, we we have money and we don't. We're not musicians. Can I ask you a question? So yeah. When they pan the camera across the audience. Was it like cardboard cutouts and chairs? It it, it looked like that. It was like what they do with uh, or did with um, uh, the it, NBA it, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, digitalized, digitized. You can tell they couldn't even they got, couldn't even cardboard cut you sold, out. I think they sold a hundred thousand tickets or something like that. It was it was, yeah, it was a big paper. It was a big paper event. A lot of people paid. Yeah, yeah, it was a huge event. Um, it was uh, definitely worth the watch if you're a, if you're a fan. It was all new songs, so it's oh, not that's like cool. He was, Running over John Henry again, or Cold Gin, or anything like that. He was playing Cold Gin or Slow Gin. Slow Gin, I think. One of them's one of them's a uh, a song by Kiss. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, I thought it was enjoyable, and I, you know, I love the band, and I love uh, watching An- Anton Fick playing drums, and I watch, I love watching Bonamassa. I just go from being like he, he's just he's so animated when he plays. And, it, and it's so cool that he takes off his glass and it's like, look, I'm a, I'm still a nerdy kid that just loves this stuff. Well, before you know? he started wearing the suits and stuff on stage, like back in the early days when he was still hungry, like he yep. was brutally good. Um, I watched like the Albert Hall stuff and I've watched some of the more recent stuff, too. And I'm like, he kind of matured too much. I liked him when he was a little bit more out of control, willing to try things. 
Now it's like I got to provide provide a solid set, you know. Back yeah. when he was using Buddhas and stuff like that, um, his gear when his gear got more refined, it was almost like he got more refined, you know. Like yeah. suddenly he's wearing sunglasses and suits on stage. <laughs> like, what the yeah, exactly. Um, um, but that said, he has. Let's just say that there are a lot of blues musicians out there, right? A lot of people that are trying to be blues musicians. He's one of the few. I'm not saying the only one. Definitely not the only one. He's definitely carved his own path. I mean, that's right. He's willing to do his own thing and willing to willing to hold on to the past while carving a wave to the future. I've played devil's advocate against him before on this show. I actually quite like some of the stuff he does. Um, I'm not going to pretend like he's totally irrelevant. Uh, you know, people are like, there are other podcasts who I'm sure you can probably infer, you know, from the podcast universe who these might be, who've kind of like, they kind of like, you know, gave the middle finger to him a little bit. It was like, well, you're only relevant with blues lawyers and rock doctors. And I just don't see that being the case. I think. I think the reason why people are sort of afraid of Joe Bonamassa is because he's not traditional blues. Uh, I would say he lends way more to the English side of the blues than somebody like John Mayer or, and I know I'm probably generalizing, but uh, like John Mayer or Philip Stacey or any of these other guys that are out there right now. Um, I put Bonamassa more in the category of who's the other guy? Uh, dude had a massive heroin problem. I can't remember what his name is offhand. Um, Gales. Yeah. Eric Gales. Um, and of course, Eric Gales, now that he's cleaned up, he's become a great human being. Um, now that he's kind of like sorting a situation out and he's still a monster guitar player. And you put those two guys alongside one another and like, they sort of fill the same niches. I don't see Eric Gales as a traditionalist at all. Like he's off no. in some other realm, like mixing classical music and jazz and and uh, blues. And Bonamassa is like, hey, remember when the British guys did blues? Because I see him like, even though he's got a lot of that tutelage from people like BB King and um, and um, uh, Danny Gatton, for example, he yep. definitely has paid a lot of attention to people like Jeff Beck. And um, Jimi Hendrix and more Jimmy Page than you can throw a book at. I mean, he's he's definitely well versed in those guys to the point where I think it comes over in a style. and I think it makes it very unique because there's a lot of people here that don't acknowledge British blues as a genre of the blues. Um, they look at it as like, no, that's really rock music. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I I'm OK with that. I mean. Again, I'm not a um, strict blues. It has to follow blues, like country. I'm I'm all right with bro, bro country. I don't really see any of these band or any of these genres as like you can only play this stuff in this genre. I've always been the guy's like, no, 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 no. That's like some stuff you can do or some chord progressions you can use. And like to do this other thing or, you know, and you can blend them together right. and you can have these like sub genres that form. Um, well, let's face it, the, the blues players that we love, Hendrix, 
Vaughn, Clapton, you know, the Trower. they were doing that. They were Trower. They were paving their own way. They weren't playing the exact same thing that the people before them were playing. No, and a lot of it's because they had like a carbon copy of what the blues was supposed to be based on their ability right. to get records. Um, yep. Which is okay. And like, I think people, people tend to, they, so here's the problem with my generation, right? We have way too many damn influences and it's really hard for us to carve our own path. I've known so many guys that get mired down in like, who should I be listening to? Or they go the other option, which is the complete opposite of what you should do. Right. And they're like, I'm going to be Stevie Ray Vaughan. Right. They pick somebody legendary like Stevie Ray and they're like, that's who I'm going to play like. You really should broaden your influences. (laughs) Right. But you've got to be careful about being too broad. Right. And I, and uh, (laughs) that's the big problem. um, (laughs) There's too many. I don't remember what, which one I was watching, I think it might have been uh, the Badamasa um, uh, Paisley thing, where they they said exactly that. They were like, "You you meet these young people, and they're they're so good and so talented at playing like this intricate stuff on Facebook and YouTube and everything else." But and not that they don't have, so they weren't saying, "Oh, they got no soul." Or you give them four this, chords, like, and you're like, "What do you do with that?" And they're like, "I, I I'm not really sure." You know, <laughs> four yeah, chords or, you can hold one note over. <laughs> Yeah, or or um, I think what they were saying is that that they don't. It's like the jack of all trades, you know. D- Bottom Austin was saying, "Yeah, a lot of people know that I'm really good at." He goes, "You know what I'm really good at?" Um, he goes, "I'm really good at being uh, Eric Johnson." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, he, he admitted that. Well, and that's the joke. He's somebody. Somebody made a joke. It's like, oh, so that's like the Eric Johnson thing. And he looks and he goes, "Hey, he's like, he's like." Have you heard one of my shows? He's like, sounds like you've heard one of my shows. He's like, maybe yeah. that's what I'm about. I don't know. I mean, that's yeah. kind of what I'm doing. He's like, maybe you've gotten something right. And he's basically just making fun of the interviewer because he was like, seriously? Like, you're just now figuring this out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, and, and it's and so, when, when Eric Johnson recognized it, he, he took it as a compliment. Yeah. He's like, oh, thank God. The guy that I'm trying to emulate. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, you're doing a good job. You know, like, um, yeah. And so, um, anyway, what, um, what I'm getting out of here is, is this, is that, that he, um, Paisley said, Hey, you got to come out and join me at the Ryman and we'll do, um, uh, the, the Grand Ole Opry at the Ryman. Um, because remember the Grand Ole Opry is, a for people who are listening, I know you know this, uh, the Grand Ole Opry is a show that is, that is um, from the Ryman. It's not the only show the Ryman does. Right. So um, anyway, the, the um, he was like, you got to get up there. And then he says, we'll just do like a, um, you know, a country thing where we go back and forth. And, and uh, a lot of us admitted, he goes, I'll have to, you know, he's going to have to bone up because he goes, I, I, my country jobs aren't that good at all. You know? So here's a guy that, that plays, he's, he's, he's held up by a lot of people like, Oh, you're such a great player. But he's not a a country player, you know. Yeah. He admits that that's his he's a, the weak point. And then we we invent we um when we uh, interviewed um, Steve uh, Stein from Guitar Zoom, he talked about that when he went to play for somebody that did country because he had been playing metal, and then they said, "Oh yeah, you're going to play country," and it, and in, and he was like, "Oh crap." He's, he was like, I don't know how to play a major. <laughs> They're like, major, huh? Um, 
All right. I got a Brad Paisley anecdote. It'll be short. And then we'll talk about the Paul Gilbert thing. So. Brad Paisley, had I, I found some some um, national jams right on YouTube. And there was a jam with Brad Paisley and like four other guitar players. But the really other notable guy was Robin Ford was there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so those two dudes are on stage. And what did I expect to hear, right? Like, I expect to hear Robin Ford, like, just keeping up toe-to-toe with Brad. And I got to say, I was I was shocked by how good Brad Paisley just laid waste to those arrangements. And just, like, even the the jazz changes that were coming out of... Uh, yeah. Out of, out of Robin Ford and Brad's just like eating it up and I'm sitting there going I mean I know he's good like I've seen him live yeah. and and I've yep. heard all his records and stuff so I'm like I know the dude's got chops like he's got all the technical ferocity but how can he put it together outside his genre and he's one of the few dudes that's like a very genre specific player who can cross over and is just a monster um, and I don't know how that happened but he he really does know what he's doing, like to the point where that guy should be way more of a guitar god than he actually is. People should really yeah. be giving him a lot more props than they do. <clears throat> he um, covered a Van Halen song. Oh yeah, Hot for Teacher. You can find that on YouTube. Hot Everybody's teacher. seen him do yeah. that. But and and what's amazing is he played Hot for Teacher like it's a rock song. Not he didn't do Hot for Teacher and then just be country in it. He did it with a rock. Feel. Well, I got to imagine Where, him growing up around that kind of music. Like he's got to have some ver- verse now, but like to hear him do like basically what our Robin Trower standards is right. like, huh? <laughs> you know, well, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I, what I was going to get at is this. I've seen plenty of country singers. Okay. Recently I saw God help me for having seen this. I wish I, I want to either gouge my eyes out or just erase it from my memory. But it was Kenny Chesney. <laughs> this is terrible. Call me when it's Vince Gill doing pour some sugar on me. <laughs> it was it was in that that terrible name, right? Don't get me wrong. Vince Gill's a Sorry, Vince. I want to get into heaven. Like, please, please don't tell St. Yes. Peter about that. Yeah. He, Vince is Vince is a really, really um, incredible player. Um, you know, and he, and he's probably got the right, you know, he's like, he's probably got a right hand. He's like Amy this Grant's with wife, God. So he's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but um, all joking aside. Um, so uh, him and, um, oh, geez, she was a, she was a country goddess for a while in the in the two thousand mid two thousands, but um he and this woman were doing this duet and it was an A C D C song. And and I was just like I felt sorry for the band. There's so much crossover listenership that that seems like low hanging fruit. But like at the same time it's like, guys, come on. It's like Cheryl Crow doing uh uh the the uh Guns N' Roses song. Like what yes. are you thinking? Oh when Cheryl Carl did even her her I'm sorry folks but sweet her child of mine sweet child of mine and then when she did she also did uh, before that she had done first cut is the deepest and I was an old um, pop song by Rod Stewart yeah um, blues pop song and she did not do a good job with that I mean she's not right but 
But when I I'm hearing Kenny Chesney and uh, oh, her name starts with a G and it's just it, it's 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 escaping me right now. Not I, I want I keep want to say Gwyneth Paltrow and it's definitely not her. But um, uh, anyway, they go you shook me all night long and I'm like oh god that is not what Angus like, Young even if you were gonna do the a, even if you were gonna do like an ACDC song. That's not the one that anybody at ACDC wants to do. <laughs> like, no. I, I, I get no. it. I just don't think it's a good idea. Because, uh, like, there's a certain swagger that goes along with those lyrics that I think most, like, you know, country acts and the more wholesome family-oriented version right. wouldn't be doing that song. <laughs> okay. Because they wouldn't they wouldn't be delivering it in the, in the manner in which it was meant to be pre- uh, presented. Anyway, sure. uh, so I ordered the Paul Gilbert record, uh, which is not, yeah. I don't think it's done yet. It's called Werewolves of Portland. And I I pre-ordered it because apparently you get a, like a 48 song thing of him doing studio outtakes from like the Racer X era and pre-Racer X. And. Wow, he's been pushing that album for a while. My. Okay impression of what I heard on these outtakes was so like as a guitar player right like I've worked really hard to be a good guitar player and he was probably 17 18 when he was doing these the skill and ability level on these recordings is the likes of which I have never heard in my entire life. I My jaw hit the floor. I could do nothing but laugh. I'm like, well, I guess there's something I'll never hit. There's a bar I won't meet. <laughs> like, um, don't you hate that? And, and, and he's, I don't feel bad about it. Like, I'm inspired to, like, explore the guitar in a different way and try to find where I excel. But I'm, like, listening to this, and I'm, I'm hearing him do Yngwie stuff better than Yngwie. And I'm like... These are off the cuff, like just him horsing around back in like 1980, whatever. And we know how good he is now. I mean, you can go get one of his records and his musical sensibilities right now. And like the last two records are just off the charts. Um, And he's only getting better, which that's why I pre-ordered the album. Because I've been listening to um, uh, the last one. I mean, consistently for almost a year and a half or two years now. I'm like, the next one's going to be good. Because the last one was an experiment to see what he could get away with. So now he's got he's got something in mind that he wants to try. And he had to see if he could get away with what he wanted to do on the last one. So I have a feeling it, this next record is going to be nuts. Is um, Vernon Reed on there? Because I saw something, something about Vernon. It no, said no. Uh, in, in a YouTube video, when I looked it up, it said... Uh, uh, that he and Vernon are discussing solos on the upcoming could, Werewolves of Portland. It could be. Um, Werewolves of Portland and Vernon. I don't think it's necessarily Vernon solos Reed. Too. Oh, okay. No, Vernon. You know, you know, the thing about him is he's a surprisingly good singer. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the one thing people don't realize. And he talks himself down about it all the time. Not any good at it. Yep. It's the Vernon um, solos. Yeah. That's the oh, okay. so that's the solos thing. Vernon solos okay. too. Um. Anyway, he he's a surprisingly good singer, and anything he can sing, he plays. He's amazing at his ability to translate uh, 
the word. I don't think we, I think we take advantage, not take advantage. I think we take for granted the human voice. A, a perfectly, um, a perfectly pitched human voice sounds like doo-doo on a record. We know that because if, if everything was perfectly pitched, it would sound like that song by uh, Cher, I believe, right? Well, that's, so, that's robotic perfect pitch, but it would be right. – and there are albums where they do a very good job of hiding the pitch correction. and and But you'll know because you'll be like, something's off on this vocal. <laughs> right. you know, I don't well, think they can well, actually do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I mean is by that is I don't mean that the person never hits the note. What I mean is the way they get to it or come from it is always a little different, right? That's, I think everything about a vocal tone, we, we, we talk a lot about guitar tone, but everything about a vocal tone is what makes a singer so great. I mean, you can't say that, um, that people who sing journey songs note for note aren't good. But there was something special about the way Steve Perry was pulling it's it off. It's the attack and decay is what you're talking about primarily. Yep. Um, Thank you. But but it's attack, decay. It's the the pitch the and, the res- and the resonance is a big part of it. Yep. Um, as they yep. come up and and hit a note. Um, I, I would actually if you've ever say I've done this before. If you've ever done pitch analysis on like a phrase or even an opera singer, you'll find they're never actually in pitch the whole time. They're very good about like keeping as close as they can get, but you can tell that's how, you know, when pitch corrections happen because it, it, they correct those uneven things that do exist naturally and your ear hears it and you know the difference. And so I'm going to put that to guitar. I think that's what makes a special guitarist special is they, they do like your bends or your, even your regular picking. Um, I've seen so many people who play i'm sitting there going they're playing exactly the right notes and they're playing exactly because i do the same thing when i sit here and i sit with this sheet music right and i and i play the thing over and over and over i keep telling there's something there's something you're doing that needs to change and when i was singing when i was a teen i trained i trained my voice to do it and of course when i play guitar i've tried to change my tried try to try to train my fingers to do it is that that's the reaction of the of the of the ear to the note and i say oh, you know what there's a little more there, there's a there's a micro bend there that that isn't in this sheet music but it's there or there's a there's a a, a lightness to the attack on that note but a heavier attack on this note so you know little things that i can do that if i'm going to do a note for note that i do i try to do as close as possible and then I, um, I try to stretch it out. That's why I said that Linus thing, you know, or the uh, the Lucy Van Pelt thing. I said, you know, that's it. Um, it's little things that you find that the, those minute details. I, I want to bring that back to Paul Gilbert. I think that's what makes him so great is that Paul Gilbert pays attention to every little nuance that he's doing. He's creating. I mean, this is in his head. That's but that's the, the that's the learner brain. So when he was younger, he didn't, and I learner, instructor brain. When he was younger, he had no idea what he was doing. He didn't actually start like examining his technique until he started going to school and he started working with the instructors. And then we became an instructor. It was like, I have to know how this works. 
And he was like, what, 19 or 20 years old when he did that? Yeah, he graduated early from GIT, and then like they asked him to stay on as an instructor. Yeah, so he was very young. Um, and you figure he's about my age. So this guy's been perfecting perfection, <laughs> if I can <laughs> uh, re reiterate a term, uh, for 30-plus years, you know? Yes. Um, and so, um, he's an interesting dude. And, uh, I mean, he's, he's what, he's 53, I think, or 52 years old. Yeah. He's yeah. got probably 20 albums. Uh, most of them have not been released here in the States. Many of them have been only Japan releases. Uh, yep. Racer X, Mr. Big, obviously he's, he's wealthy. Like he's done some, he's got some number one stuff under his, under his belt in the past. Uh, either yep. on the rock charts probably, but, um, and he's toured the world and he does this. He, I mean, this, this guy, you want to talk about diversified income streams. Uh, this guy that does, he answers video lessons. It's like, you can send him a video and then he'll critique you and send a video back and make That's suggestions right. to you. And I've done his lesson program. His lesson program is great. If you're just starting with guitar, I highly recommend you go through his beginner lessons. I mean, he really lays it all out there for you. But he's also the first guy to tell you, don't pay attention to the minor details on records. And this is what this is actually kind of what, how I wanted to segue into what you're saying. So you were talking about when you play, when you're le learning Stairway to Heaven, you're learning it for note for note, right? Um, what that means to some people versus what that means to other people are two different things. So like for me, I kind of take the classical approach to like notated music, which is that there are certain things that can end up on the written page. And there are certain things that are a part of the performance on the record. And for me, it's about knowing the difference and what I should yep. care about. And for me, like I honestly don't really care all that much about the original performance, except in certain cases, like for example, Jimi Hendrix, there are things that he does where it, w it was technically a mistake, but it was a repeatable mistake. And it was like, okay, he's picking this dead note above a bent note on like Voodoo Child. There's a very yes. specific thing he does there. And he did it live too. And it was done for effect. And you can notate that. There is a way you use a rake, you know, in the notation for it in order to make that that a possibility. So it would, it would look like a, uh, it would look like a rhythm strum in guitar notation. But Yeah, Gilmore would steal that later. <laughs> yeah. Well, he would he would break across multiple notes too, which is a whole other thing. Yep. But um, yep. so it is possible that things that sound like mistakes aren't they're notable, and you can find them in the the sheet music for it. And so, like, I think we as because the way that music has evolved, well, I guess it really hasn't evolved. Let's let's, I guess we could talk a little bit about music history. So, there's always art music. Right, which is like these guys like Beethoven and Bach and Mozart and Mozart. everybody else. Uh, you got you got your Herbie Cancocks of this generation and people like that too, who were very good about writing music down. Um, and so to go from that end to this end, there are your composer types, and I would consider them like more the art side of it. And then you're, there's also folk music or commoner music that existed in all of these time periods that, that wasn't written down. That's usually yep. an oral tradition. So it just really happens to depend on which side of the aisle you fall in. If you're okay saying I'm a peasant, um, you know what I mean? Like that's the way it's always been. The division in, his, in history has always been the peasants have this music and the royalty has this music. And I kind of look at it and I go, 
I don't really want to be a peasant, but I want to bridge the gap. And so being able to write things down is important to me. Um, and so I tend to focus on that stuff when I write. But from the other side of the coin, I think performances are important too. I think per, I think music is a performed thing. So my, in my mind, like I look at somebody like Frank Zappa or Steely Dan who would hire musicians to perform their music on a record and then live um, as the musicians are just, just as important to music as the notation. And to another extent, the only thing different about our generation, meaning the last hundred years or 150 years worth of people is that we can record our music. And that is something that has never existed until now. Right. Right. Which was right. The only way to record it before was to write it down. So, and to, and to, as you said, there were, well, two ways, right? Write it down or word of mouth. That was it. So you passed it on by singing or playing it. And then you wrote it down. Those were the two ways you could do it. And as we said before, there were two different ways. I, I want to stress that I'm not doing this because I'm trying to show off or I'm not doing this because I'm like, Oh, I got to learn this. No, for no, because I suck. When I was playing it before, um, I always just kind of sang it in my head, you know, down, you know, that, 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 somebody asked me what goes on in your head when you're, when you're playing a solo, I go, that's what's going on in my head. It sounds like a cat fighting with a, with a, with a ball of yarn, you know, that, that kind of thing. So, um, what I wanted to do was to do this so that not because I wanted to learn to play something exactly the way Jimmy Page does, because that's a rabbit hole I don't even want to go down. I, I'm not I'm not going to do that. But what I wanted to do was to see where all those little things were, because there was always a little something that I thought, what can I pull? Because I always did this with vocals. I can sing this song note for note in the original key it, without hitting falsetto. Okay. And I thought to myself, you know what? If you can sing it, you should take this out. I, w- I want to do it in open mic. And I want to be the guy that goes, because I'm never the guy that plays the solo. Unfortunately, at the open mic I play, like, I don't have to worry about it. He never listens you're the, to the you're show. You're always anyway. the guy that has to do the vocal part. <laughs> I'm singing and then I'm playing rhythm while the other guy goes off. And, he, and even when I go to play a solo, he just plays right over top of me. Literally just turns up and plays over top of me. Not because he's being rude it just doesn't even assume that i'm gonna play the solo you know what i mean matter of fact i i would have to play so loud (laughs) that i that i was piercing my own ears to get it to where you could hear you know what but that's the thing like i've never been in a band situation with other guitar players until the one i'm in right now but that's all communicated ahead of time like that's right and if they and if they're going to be dicks like that, it's not worth playing with them. It really isn't. Oh, it, it, the truth of the matter is, I've never said, "Hey, man, uh, let me let me play it," because he's always good enough. And it's like, uh, why would I just let him do it? Well, it's, yeah, and I'm sure there's a little bit of uh, you're supposed to be the lead guitar player, so you just handle it. And 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 I get that. I've never been in a band where like anybody has ever not asked me to play lead guitar. I mean, right? Have you ever been like you've never been me? Where and I'm not I'm not trying to burn I'm just we're polar opposite in that respect. Where, all right, Jim, you can sit, you can hit some really high notes, 
and you can and you can belt it. And even when you can't hear, you're in pitch. So you get up there and you sing and play rhythm. We'll take care of the solos. Don't worry about it. No. And so it, it's like I wish I could find okay. a band where they just say, "Hey, just fill in. You don't even have to comp. Just, just you know, just do your thing." Like I, I'll play yeah. some licks behind you. It's fine. <laughs> that's my ideal job right there. Just let me play single note shit all night. <laughs> yeah. See, and and so, and nobody's ever said to me, Jim, just go up there and play single notes all night. Just don't even worry about the rhythms. So we, I got this. Every time, like, God dang it, I, I can play this solo. Why are you not letting me do this? I mean, I've been in bands where they do. But for the most part, I'm always, you know, no, we need somebody to hit the notes that Steve Perry hit. And we need somebody that can that can hit them with the with the punch. And to be honest with you, it's hard to sustain a Steve Perry like this, especially once I hit 40, much less when I hit 50 and now pushing 60, where um, it's like, OK, um, I'm going to I'm going to hold that and do this this uh thing right here and up at the 17th fret while I'm singing it up here that, that is kind of hard and I, I Steve Perry didn't do it Neil Sean wasn't doing it Neil Sean was doing this and Steve Perry was doing this so there is kind of a give and take on that yeah i mean Especially i get, I get it but go. then you have to work it you just work around it right it's like um yeah i'm fortunate in that like today I did the music video for, for um, old Stumpy and that's probably what we should end with. We'll talk about that for a minute. Um, we went out in the woods. We went out in the woods around here and there was a drone and there was a very expensive video camera and there was me with an electric guitar unplugged and the other guys with acoustic guitars and somebody had a Bose speaker and we were playing back the music so we could sync it up in post. And I'm just kind of like miming along, you know, and then the solo would come up and I would just play some random crap. And it would, we were just going to sync it in post. So it was like, well, it looks like garbage, but uh, for the promotional video purposes, and it's kind of hilarious because right. it's obvious I'm not playing what's as on the as, record, yeah. you know. Um, You're not but I'm playing something, and it's probably pretty damn good. Like, that's that's right. that's where it's it's totally gefakest kind of stuff. It's hilarious. Yeah. But um, we were talking about ways to fake it and, like, shooting my hands from behind so you could see my hands moving up down the neck, and we're going to splice all that together and – um, mostly because most of my solos are improv anyway, and I couldn't hear what I was playing on the, the both speakers. So I was like, screw it. It's not, yeah. Um, so anyway, long story short, um, we go and we do, we go and we shoot this video and it, and I'm standing in the woods and we're playing and it dawns on me for a minute. And I'm like, this is really the perfect gig for me because we have two rhythm players plus a bass player. Sometimes a fourth rhythm player and a, and a pianist. And I'm just kind of sitting there playing single notes. And I'm like, I'm just going to play the root of the chord in the bass register on the guitar. And we're just going to do that for a while. And it works great because it fits in with the arrangement. Um, I can kind of control the arrangement a little bit. And I don't have to really worry about whether the chords are major or minor or any of that. I just kind of phone it in oh yeah there's a solo coming up all right here we go <laughs> you know like start turning the motor on and then and then as soon as it's over it's slide back into position <laughs> dun, 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 dun. you know it's like this is easy and and so much of it's like gallop rhythm stuff that's just like i could just do it in my sleep 
just sit there and just let yep. my I, I never thought being a good metal player or like being able to do the metal rhythm stuff because I'm not a good metal player, but being able to do the metal rhythm stuff would impact my country playing as much as it has. And when I say country, we're more of the Western type. Um, right. If it's country and or Western. So yeah, more of a Bakersfield type thing. Yeah, there's a there's definitely a little bit more um, rock influence. No, actually, I wouldn't say that like the, not in that way, but like. Just the way the rhythms fit together, we're more like on the bluegrass side of things, where it's like a faster okay, pace, and it's a lot of uh, a lot of swing feel. Eagles. I don't know that I would consider the Eagles fast. You ever listen to bluegrass? <laughs> yeah, I was joking about the yeah. Eagles. Yeah, well, I like... some of the Eagles. If you listen to some of the stuff that wasn't the hits, that was the that was the thing about the Eagles. If you listen to you know one of these nights or whatever the the albums that 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 came out. The, not all the songs sounded like that. Um, but no, I was going to say more like um, uh, that San Francisco influence, maybe. Yeah, we were getting. Uh, yeah, because well, we, well, we do definitely play. We play some Grateful Dead stuff and like. Yeah, I was going to say Grateful but, Dead. But a lot I didn't of want to drop their names. <laughs> a lot of it's definitely more bluegrass oriented. So we, right. we like take a step back. And we're like, we're going to play these these folk tunes or even uh we play some r&b stuff uh like um uh some of the motown stuff and like we just do it in a bluegrass style because it's songs you hit the chords right i mean that's all it matters and you gotta have a singer that can that's worth the salt uh our singer kyle he'll play himself down till he's blue in the face but you believe him and he's real and he doesn't use pitch correction or anything like that and he's very good about this is this is the Thing I have to stress to people, I've seen so many bands where the singer can't pick the songs that they should be singing. Like they want to sing something yeah. that they can't sing. And it's like, what the hell yeah. are you doing? And he's picked songs that he can get away with. He doesn't have like a three octave range or anything like that. He's nothing to write home about, but he's smart enough to know if I pick the right songs, I can get more tips. And so that's what yep. we do. So and that's a smart, smart move. You wouldn't, if you were me, if you were me, you wouldn't go, you know what? I'm going to play Van Halen all night because my fingers couldn't do it. I couldn't, I, I couldn't do I it could for do more it. maybe one song. All right. A couple other things about the, the uh, music video shoot today. So we played the same song like six times. And yeah, of course. Different angles. That's, that's and they were going back and forth sideways and all this different stuff. And then they were doing these things. They're running around. There was the drone and. Um, we were playing a log at one point, walking back and forth on this big ass log and I almost tripped and fell. And I'm sure it's going to be in the take somewhere. And it was really funny. Um, and we're doing all this stuff and like, I'm kind of sitting there. There's a walking path, like maybe 20 yards from us. If that, if that, and there's people riding their bikes by and stuff and like, they're slowing down. It's funny. You see the joggers and they're like kind of jogging place and they're like looking to see what's going on in the woods over there with those guys and that music. And um, we were in a forest preserve and literally right off the interstate that takes you right to Chicago. And it's urban as hell around this place. You know, Bussy Woods, if you've ever been there, Jim, like it's just like it's Schaumburg on one side and it's like, which is a shopping Mecca for yep. Chicago people. And, um, Oh yeah. And, uh, so it's, it's very metropolitanized around it. And of course we're in the woods there and I'm just like, how long until the cops show up? 
or the the force preserve police and like, tell you I, to get out. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> like, how long is it going to be until they come and they ask for our permit? What's funny is they never showed up. We were there like six hours and they never showed up. Yeah. Yeah, And what's funny is that the, that the uh, pictures you sent me, you would have thought you were out in like a, um, a nature preserve in Southern California or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It was like this beautiful forestry that you showed. Yeah. So we did a location scout, believe it or not. Uh, Our, our uh, filmographer went out there. He's a friend of the bands and he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, I come out here sometimes and like shoot stuff. And he's like, we were, I was in the woods and I was like, yeah, man, about nine o'clock, the light comes through these trees just right. And like, he's like, we're going to shoot at. So he brought out his, uh, his awesome. $15,000 camera, $2,000 tripod. His, uh, you guys are shooting some serious video there. Expensive ass drone. And like, um, it's, it's, I would say it's like a comedy music video. Cause it's, de- it's a song called these trees are looking at me and it's about being paranoid in the woods. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and they're running around in the woods and like, they got the drone following them. And then, you know, doing these shots, we're like screaming up at the drone and it's coming up and down. It's, it's going to look wild when it's all done, yep. but it's like, I, I can't wait to see it. I can't either. I'm like, this is amazing. Like I, I'm actually that's really a- excited about this, but um, it was a weird cool experience for being like a super amateur thing. It was a lot more not yeah. amateur than I thought it was going to be. Um, Cause I'm, I'm shooting my own video project right now in the middle of all this. And like watching this go on today, I'm like, dude, I, I actually stuck around for like two hours after I was needed. Cause I'm like, I want to learn. Like, yeah, I, I can learn from this guy. Cause he obviously knows what he's doing. And I yep. don't think they real like I was being kind of quiet and I don't think they realized what I was doing was like watching what was going on and paying, att- paying close attention. Um, but I, I learned some stuff today. It was cool. Um, if you ever get the chance to shoot a video like that, take it. Cause it's fun and you'll never know what the yeah. hell you're going to end up with. But my back hurts <laughs> from standing on uneven ground for like four or five hours. We had to mark our positions with like twigs and stuff on the ground. Yeah. So we'd always be back in the same spot. Yeah, the, yep. Same position. Yeah. But I got, so here's the real gripe, right? I got a blister on my finger right now because I didn't bring a pick. I left the house at like six o'clock this morning. So I was just like, throw the guitar in the trunk. Stopped at McDonald's on the way up there to get coffee. Pulled up. I'm sitting in the car and I'm going, I don't have a pick. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I guess we're doing this finger style. And I got to think, I'm like, well, I'm miming anyway. Who cares? Well, I ended right. up playing the whole time, like just using my fingernails. So my index finger is just nasty right now. It hurts pretty bad. And my nail the, is like the, worn away. <laughs> yeah, my fingernail will get worn unevenly right there. Because yeah. I do that. With my acoustic, I tend to forget to play a pick, my acoustic. Yeah. Um, so I'll finger play it, and then it winds up like that. So yeah, lots of fun. You've, you've well, shot. that sounds like a good. Uh, that sounds like a good uh, ending point for the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have been David. I've been Jim. And tonight we've been practical guitarists running around in the woods. That's right. <laughs>